Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Zero to 10 podcast, where we focus on helping businesses grow from zero to 10 million. This is the show for CEOs, founders, business owners, and folks thinking about starting a business. This podcast is the intersection of strategies, tactics, trends, and even a little bit of inspiration. Today, Sean Rosenstiel joins me as a guest co-host as we welcome business owner Ray McKenzie to the podcast. Ray started and has grown a very successful consulting business. He's recently launched a SaaS platform to complement what he's been doing with the consulting business. What I love about this story is Ray could not find a tool that he needed for himself, so he went out and built it himself. He then quickly realized that if he needed this, there's a good chance that others would as well. So he launched his software as a product slash platform, et cetera. Sean and I chat with Ray about his journey to date. We talk about the good, the bad, not really too much ugly yet but the challenges and the decisions that he's got faced coming forward. Um, we also dig back into a little bit in the history, just his consulting practice story would have been for a great episode. So we get kind of a dual, dual package with this one. Ray is also one of the folks that we're following on his zero to 10 journey. So we'll touch back, touch base with him every couple of months to see where he's at. This was a really interesting conversation with a lot of learnings that we can all apply. As a favor, if you listen to this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or hit the follow button on Spotify. Now, let's get this interview started. Hey, Ray, welcome to the podcast. All right. Nice to see you, Brett. Nice to meet you, Sean. Definitely. Thanks for having me on. Definitely our pleasure to, to have you on. And you know, I think it would be helpful if maybe to kick us off, just you know, share with the audience a little bit about what your background is and what you're working on today. And then we'll kind of dig into the origins of it. Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm, I'm born and raised in California. Always lived in California for the most part. My kind of corporate background has spanned kind of leading service delivery strategy and operational teams for private and public companies over the course of about, I'd say, 15 years um, between San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and Los Angeles, and, uh, and kind of on a plane every two weeks from there. And then uh, I'd say about eight years ago, I broke away and started my own management consulting firm. Um, it's called Red Beach Advisors, which is a technology management consulting firm focused on strategy, operational efficiency, and digital transformation through technology. And then that leads, leads me into kind of what I've been working on now, which is we've built a platform called Starting Point that is designed for mid-market, lower enterprise companies to solve a lot of their operational efficiency challenges in service delivery. And so that's kind of that in working with my clients from a consulting background, I continued to see a repeated theme, which was these teams don't necessarily have the right tools for the right size of their companies and to be able to manage end-to-end -end transparency when they're delivering services to clients and customers. And so as I continue to see that theme and see the other tools in the market, you know, I, I found there was a gap. And so that's what we decided to build, which is starting point. And it's a workflow management and customer operations SaaS platform for service delivery um, and service focused departments and teams. Yeah, I got to tell you, I wish you would have had this tool about 10 years ago <laughs> when I was still in the enterprise space. It would have, uh, it would have saved uh, a lot of time and, and headaches during that, that journey. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's just one of those things that I continue to see the repeated thing. 
which is you've got the large enterprises that have the large, robust enterprise tools. You know, they've got staff, they've got um, consultants, they've got budget, and they can go out and they can say, hey, we're going to kick off a project for 6, 12, 18, 24 months and get this system put in place. And then you've got a, a, a large amount of clients that are underserved that are lower enterprise and mid-market companies that are like, well, we need something that's fast. We need something that's efficient. We need something that's easily configured. We need something that's for business leaders. And we don't necessarily want to spend the 6, 18, 24 months to kick off a project. And so that underserved market is what we're going at. Just one question before we get to the platform. I'm kind of curious, back when you started your own management consulting firm, yeah, were you thinking you wanted to be a, a founder, entrepreneur, small business owner at the time? What was kind of the, uh, the motivation to go out on your own? Um, you know, what's interesting is it, it kind of directly out of college, kind of myself and another um, college buddy of mine who actually went to Cal, uh, we actually started kind of our own IT services MSP back then. But then, you know, we shut that down because one, he went to law school, two, my corporate career took off. And so, you know, and that led to, you know, us going and having very successful corporate careers. And then I got a call. I wasn't really planning on going into consulting. Um, you know, I, I got a call from a couple of CEOs I knew, and they essentially were like, Ray, can you come help our companies kind of build, grow, and scale? And I was like, well, I've got, I'm working at a full-time job right now. Um, but I've got some hours and some cycles and we're friends, so I'll help you and we'll move things forward. Then as I started getting engaged in those kind of consulting engagements, I found out that's what I like to do, which is essentially I like to um, solve problems for companies. I like to, you know, work on specific projects. Um, I like to work with people I want to work with. Um, and I want to affect change inside of environments. And so, you know, if you've worked in corporate environment, you're not always able to do that. And so that was the allure in terms of consulting. And then on the personal side, obviously, you know, we've got four kids and wife, you know, we've got everything kind of happening and moving and shaking and crazy schedules. And then, you know, consulting allowed me to be able to dictate my schedule when I wanted to work, who I wanted to work with. And obviously, you know, consulting comes with larger, larger ticket clients. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I think we all kind of feel that journey. And it, the question is always, when's the right time to, to pull the trigger and, and jump in? As I always say, there's no time like the present and there's probably no perfect time, right? Yeah, I didn't, you know, like I said, I didn't plan on it. I didn't plan on it at all. I always had in the back of my mind, I wanted to do something on the side or consult on the side. And then I, you know, an interesting story, I, I live in California. Um, I did a trip to Europe um, for business and then I came back and I was like, gosh, I'm spending a lot of time on the road, spending a lot of time away from my family. Um, I took a day off. I went to lunch at the beach. And then next thing you know, I go to lunch at the beach by myself and other strangers that are there at the bar and restaurant. And I'm like, hey, so, you know, we get to chatting about sports and football and all types of stuff that's going on. And it was like, hey, what do you do for a living? And then that turned into them saying, hey, you know, I run my own companies or run my own business or I'm a consultant or I, there's a myriad of things that go on in Los Angeles. So you can only imagine. Right. <laughs> so um, from there, I left that lunch talking to random strangers like saying, hey, I want to start my own firm of some sort. 
I didn't quite know what it was going to look like. I didn't know the name. I didn't know the structure. I just walked away from that lunch saying, hey, I want to start my own thing. And a week later, I got calls from two CEOs. And then that kind of spun things in motion to build what is now Refuge Advisors, which has now led us to building starting. That's awesome. Awesome. Did you, I'm thinking back now from the, do you think that actually helped before we get into the origin of starting point that if I can start my own company in consulting, say, why not start a software company? Or why don't you talk as kind of the, the starting point for that? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's, um, it was interesting. The consulting business is very different. The structure of it is very different than the software business. And so yes. <laughs> it is very different from, you know, gosh, a services background to a product background in running the two different types of companies. So I, I thought, okay, well, I've done the, I've got the services side of the business going, the consulting side, and that's moving in the right direction. And, you know, we had been able to acquire some fabulous clients. Um, but at the same time, when I started the product, it was just like, hey, I was building the product for my own firm. So I needed the product for my own company. And so I was like, I had it on a notepad for two years. And in doing that, I was like, okay, well, man, now's the time. Let's just start building. You know, let's build it. I can't find anything out there that really solves my problem. And so then we just kind of kicked it off. And, and started really building the platform and really building the platform just for us as a firm. And then I started showing it to other people kind of in the same services line background. And they were like, oh, this is something we could use. Yeah, this is something we need. This solves a challenge for us. You know, we drop things on the floor, a lot of disconnected communication, disconnected workflow, lack of visibility um, across clients and team members and executive management. and so. I was like, okay, well, as I kept showing it to more and more people, they were like, this is something we could use. This is something we could use, or I like this idea, or I like this definitely solves a problem for us. And in doing that, that was the light bulb, which was, hey, turn this into a company. Now, it, it, was it something where it's like, hey, it's ran just the same as the services company? The consulting firm is completely different. Right. You know? The expectations are completely different and you're managing, you're becoming more of a product manager slash CEO over here. And you're talking to more customers, more prospects and getting insight on your product and service. Whereas over here on the services side, you're already the expert. You know what you're coming in to do. You know what you're coming in to change. You know how you're going to try to execute that. And so the philosophies are very different. How you run the businesses are very different. Um, the sales cycle is definitely different. So yeah, that's kind of how it happened. You know, I, that's kind of the path that we took. Ray, where do you, about six or seven years ago, I was in a very similar situation as you're in with the two totally different sort of companies, right? Service-based, product-based. Where do you find that you spend your time? Like how is your time allocated on an average business week between the two companies? Gosh, I'd say at this point now, I'd say it's easily 40, 50 hours on starting point. This is business, getting the product business going. But I also work from 6 a.m. to maybe 6 p.m., 7 p.m. on days. And then put in days on the weekend sometimes. But, you know, now it's football season, so we might have to cut back on those. But, uh, you know, yeah, I'm putting in good 60, 70-hour weeks. So 
I still spend quite a bit of time on the consulting services side, I'd say 15, 20 hours, and then probably another 50 hours over here with starting point and kind of moving that forward with my team. If you, if you brought in other, because I think one of the challenges, again, doing the show with 120 plus episodes and talking to founders, it's always, I didn't bring somebody in in time, right? Or it was too late. I should have, I knew I was doing everything myself, right? And how do I allocate and let somebody else take care of other pieces? Just curious from both companies, right? Because it's hard to separate the two, you know, and the, the amount of time that you're spending you bring in a tech person to help you build the, the platform or was this something you were playing with on your own as well or how did how did that kind of evolve and, and where are you at right now yeah no i i had the vision i kind of had a, a strong background in obviously code and, and technology and what i wanted to build but to make it happen i had to bring in other people and and so that's just kind of how it worked and, and you know through my background i knew a lot of people but I actually, our head of engineering is somebody who I grew up with from seventh grade. So we grew up together since seventh grade, went to high school together, and then just continuously kept in touch. And kind of our careers kind of followed the same tech background for the most part. And so um, brought him in as the head of engineering. He's been able to utilize people within his network and kind of spearhead getting the platform going, going in the right direction. And so that, that was just something that had to happen, which was, Hey, you know, I've got the vision, I've got the scope, I've got the features, I, you know, I know what problem we're solving and how we're solving it. But in order to commit the amount of time that's needed to actually develop the platform, you know, I had to bring in outside help. That was just something from the beginning. Yeah, it makes sense. And then thinking about bigger picture too, one of the things that we find is a lot of founders and business owners don't necessarily have a plan. Right. And the plan I'm saying, I think you said you've got the vision. So with your, your consulting or the services company, was your goal to say, hey, I want to, you know, I want to become the next Accenture or, or did you or had you just, hey, I'm just going to take this as far as I can. Did you, was there a point you said, hey, this is, this is what I want out of this? I think when I, when I built my consulting, it was more so a lifestyle business. Okay. And I'll say that that was it wasn't like, hey, I want to be the next Accenture. I want to be the next Lloyd. I want to be the next EY, whatever it is. It was more of a I want to build this firm to be able to sustain the lifestyle that myself, my family and my kids want. And then grow from there. And that included, obviously, financially motiv motivation and then also family motivation which is, you know, I want to be available to have the time to spend with my oldest son when he's playing AAU basketball. You know, I want to be have the time to spend with my sons while they're playing, my middle sons while they're playing baseball and my daughter while she's cheerleading, you know, and, and have the flexibility and time to be able to do that, you know, and spend the time with the wife. You know, really immerse myself into the family because I, most of my career I'd been on the road almost every two weeks. So, you know, it was it was time to come back and be like, OK, this is kind of what I want at this stage. Um, and so that's how I thought about Red Beach Advisors, because that was the you know lifestyle business. It's probably the business that I mean, to be completely honest, I'll probably have in the family for the next, you know, 30, 40 years. And it's just something that continuously goes, not necessarily looking to sell, not necessarily looking to do anything like that. It's just an umbrella that allows me to be able to engage with people I know, um, help friends and, and CEOs that I've experienced with, and then obviously make a positive impact in companies. And then starting point kind of 
came out of the note, the notepad, which was like, hey, this is something that you need. And then as I started sharing it, more people were like, this is something we need. And then it turned into the actual business, the, the productized business that can scale and, you know, to, uh, get revenue while you're asleep for the most part and, you know, actually affect change inside of companies and make things easier for people. And so that's, that's kind of how it kind of happened. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And think about even the plan now for a starting point. Is this, do you want, is this something that's going to be, uh, you want to grow a big software company or is it something, you know, it, uh, it's more enabling your consulting business? And if you don't have the answer, I mean, most people don't. <laughs> I'm just curious if you've, you're looking at what the, what the big picture is for it. Um, I think it's, I think it's a, a probably a combination of both which is we use it definitely on the consulting side of the business. So we're a tech-enabled services firm. Um, but then also, you know, the goal is, starting point is its own standalone business. So the goal is to actually be, you know, a, a large software business, you know, with tens of thousands of clients, and we're doing hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. You know, that is the goal. And that's, that's what we're aiming for. And, you know, we're, we're, what, 15 months in into market, and so things are going in the right direction. Yeah, maybe that's a good a good transition point to say, all right, now <laughs> it is because right going to get new customers is very different, and the price points are very different with with the software company. And maybe to date, has a, a lot of your business development been you and reaching out, or what have you been doing so far as far as you know from a sales side? Yeah, I'd say so. I, I, one, I paired myself with a buddy of mine from college who has been in sales for a, pretty, a long period of time, and so he's he's kind of our head of sales. And then we've got um, four additional people inside of my network who are kind of contractors who are able to go out and farm business and share business. And then we've got other, other avenues that we've obviously worked on developing, which is a good MSP market. So we want those MSPs who want services, who want to offer to their customers and clients something that, hey, they can go in, they can deploy the software into these companies in an easy way, which is, takes an hour. And then they can also tack on a managed services portion to the business. So it makes sense from an MSP perspective. But also from a, you know, we've got our direct sales, direct marketing engagement. And that's something that obviously we've been ramping up, companies bootstrapped. And so a lot of our focus has been, you know, organic traffic, how to develop the organic traffic, how to improve kind of our SEO, how to take advantage of good referral networks and and really watching, um, you know, every dollar spent in the business, you know, because at the same time, it is also coming out of, you know, my pocket. So it's one of those where, you know, everything that we spend money on needs to have a direct correlation to some sort of ROI in the business. And so, you know, we're going to kick off some different things in terms of videos and digital marketing campaigns and and things like that and slowly ramp things up as definitely our product continues to mature. But a combination of all of those things has helped us kind of get to where we're at right now. And then now we're starting to see definitely a, an increase in terms of leads, in terms of traffic, in terms of interest, and uh, trying to make some of those things happen. Ray, is, is starting point, is it self-serve? Like, can I go on and subscribe right now? Or is it more of like an onboarding service-based process? When yeah, you you definitely have an onboarding service-based process, you know, so what we do and, and actually walk Brett through kind of the onboarding of the platform itself, but you, you come in, you know, we walk you through actually implementing your use case inside the platform at this right at the same on the same call. So 
you know, a, a unique aspect of our platform is, yeah, you do have to go through a services onboarding portion, but that hour allows us to customize your platform and it only takes one hour. So it doesn't take a prolonged two, three, four, six weeks this process. We could get you on a call. We can walk you through the platform, walk you through a use case, set it up, customize the platform and have it ready for you to use within 40, 45 to 45 minutes to one hour. That's awesome. Yeah, I went to the website and I and I instantly the, the pain point resonated with me, right? As a business owner, you've got all these different subscriptions and all this information, in all these different places. So certainly streamlining workflow and all of that data under one roof, under one hood is is very appealing. I'm curious to know, well, two questions. Number one is, have you created your own category here? Or is this categorized under something that already exists? Um I think it's categorized under something that already exists, but at a different scale. Um, so if you look at, I'd say, you know, probably a more similar platform from a large, large enterprise scale is ServiceNow. So ServiceNow is an extremely robust workflow management platform that, you know, focuses on the top 3,000 to 5,000 companies, organizations, governments in the world. You know, and then you've got everybody else who's trying to find some sort of solution for it. And that's what we're kind of going after at this moment, which is those additional companies in the world that don't have a workflow management or customer operations platform that works for their company and or team and or department. And so is it, is it a new category? I would say no, but if you haven't experienced some of the larger enterprise tools, people would say yes. Because they'll be like, gosh, we've never seen anything out there. We're trying to piece together this project management software. We're trying to piece together this, you know, task management software. We're piecing together a help desk or service management software. We're trying to piece together, you know, a file storage platform. And we're, we're trying to build a portal for our customers to be able to use. And then you've got five different platforms that you need to manage. Whereas in, in, in an ideal world, you only have the enterprise companies that can afford something like this in one back. But what we've done is we've built something that is available for kind of everybody else, the lower enterprise and mid-market space specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. The other question I had, Ray, was what are some of the common objections that you hear? You know, I'm curious to know that because my first reaction was, oh my gosh, I love this. I want this. And then I instantly thought, but I have eight years, 10 years history of all of our data over here in Asana, you know, or whatever it is. So, so what are some of those objections that you hear? And then how would you overcome the, the most common objections when you're talking to prospects? You know, I think, I think you just kind of gave kind of the biggest, the biggest objection in your kind of story, which is, you know, we, hey, we're, we're utilizing this one tool over here for this already. Um, but we and we're utilizing another tool over here for this and we're utilizing another tool over here for this and so they're like how do we get our information from here into here or here into here and here and here and and figure out how to combine that environment and you know our our kind of phrases they make life easier you know and we help you do that so we'll help you migrate your projects, migrate your information over, things like that into the platform. That's kind of one of the things we'll do as part of onboarding onto the platform, which is, hey, let's, let's gradually move your data over and try to make it as easy as possible. 
you know, because the tough thing is, even though you have all this information in these different platforms, companies still miss things and drop things on the floor. And, you know, if I've got to go, if, if Brett calls me and says, hey, Ray, I want to know about this project, then I've got to go over here. But then he could also say, I sent in a question last week and I didn't quite get a response either. Then I've got to leave that and go over here. And then if I say, hey, you know, Brett, I see in this question, you said you sent a document over to us. Oh, yeah, I sent it via email to your customer success manager over here. And then next thing you know, I've got to dig in three different platforms just to try to get one answer for Brett. Right. And with that, that's, that's just disconnected. It's not a great workflow. It's not a great customer experience. It's frustrating for the employee. It's frustrating for the team and the department. And then what do you do? You know, whereas with starting point, you can have one interface for your clients to be able to do and see all of those things. Decentralized. Yeah, Brett would be Beautiful. able to come in and say, hey, I see where the progress is on the project. I have a question and I want to send it over. And I want to send this question over with a document. And then Sean, say if you had a, you were answering the question for him, you could just log into starting point from your perspective in the company and you can see everything that Brett has asked or trusted or where his projects are and everything post-sale in terms of his experience. And that was really the challenge that we had. Like for me, what kind of the background was, I have got the services firm over here and I've got multiple consultants working on different engagements. Well, the challenge for me as the owner of the firm was, how am I able to see everything that's happening across all of my engagements? And then if my clients, because they're my clients at the end of the day, because they're my firm, they have a question, and they contact maybe somebody else on the team or they contact me. I don't want to have to call one of my team members, consultants, contractors, whomever, and say, hey, uh, I know you, know you just took a vacation in Ames, Iowa to watch the Iowa-Iowa State game. And I know it's, it's halftime. Um, can you check your email and send me this file of this client who um, you know, sent you a document a week, a week ago? I would prefer to not to do that. And so that adds the ability for me to be able to service my clients and customers, one platform, one view, with all of the information without dropping things on them. So much value in that. And I think, one, I'm a huge fan. And I think that the small market and mid-market is positioned really well to take advantage of the new digital capabilities and buyer expectations, right? They don't want to go through the silos and the handshakes that you have to go through enterprise companies. And, you know, I think the biggest gap, at least historically, well, even I'll even go up front. I, you know, I was part of a startup that less than 10 million, we did some customer experience analysis that said, hey, how was it working with us? And they said, well, it felt like we were working with four different companies, right? There was a BDR that we talked to, then a sales rep, then you had somebody in onboarding and then somebody with customer success. And then if I had a problem, I talked to maybe it was five different people. Nobody's saying the same thing. Nobody was passing the right information. And you were, I'm actually going to get to a question, I promise, that <laughs> you know, you've got the marketing automation database and you got a CRM database in a lot of companies. It kind of stops there, right? Or you have to use the CRM in order to manage customers and it's not set up for that. And where I've been really pushing folks is to think about a single database, right? 
you don't need all these different pieces, but what was missing was kind of this tool, right? There's good to manage top of the funnel sales, right? Even for small businesses, there's decent tools. But man, as soon as you get that person into the engaged mode or the bottom of the funnel, good luck, right? Managing the, the customer relationship after that. So like I said, when we first met and you told me about the product, I'm like, yes. <laughs> and the fact that you were going after the mid-market, I think also is, you know, it excites me because I think there, they can take advantage of it and really leverage, you know, kind of this opportunity. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's one of the things to where there's not, there's a ton of tools for the pre-sale process. You know, that can manage the life cycle of getting, running a campaign, getting leads in the door, managing those leads, working them through the marketing funnel, getting them in the hands of, you know, your sales staff, your sales staff following up and updating processes, and then trying to get it to the set. There's a lot of tools that can do that really well. But then once it goes from sale to close, in that post-sale process, there's a lot of disconnected tools and systems that everybody uses. And sometimes there's not a lot of process. You know, we see things that are used from Excel. People can use Excel all the way up into, you know, enterprise platforms like ServiceNow. Right. You can also use like Excel and, you know, Zendesk and Asana and Rike and Smartsheet and all these different tools to try to, and email, of course, to try to manage the customer experience after they've done a sale. There's nothing that provides full transparency from beginning to end after that. And that's the gap we're aiming to solve for those middle enterprise, lower enterprise, mid-market and S&B companies. Yeah, and I think it, like I said, it's such a gap and, you know, not only from your tool, but I, you know, I, I always work and encourage these, these business owners to think about that process, right? You're, you're kind of entering with the software and I'm going to start driving more leads. Now I got to figure out how do I actually manage those leads when they come off? And then do I have enough customers? Then do I look at it from a customer success? You're taking on another level of complexity. You know, once you start growing that, that customer base, that's probably a little bit different than your, your services business. And it's an afterthought for way too many companies. Yeah, it's, um, you know, as, as I continue to take a look at companies, they just didn't have anything. You know, like if you go into a company, you say, what happens after you close a deal? I'll say, well, you know, you'll get a wide range of things that happen, tools that are used. And if somebody says, how do I see everything from beginning to end? It's almost a, a crapshoot in terms of being able to get an answer for that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's an interesting observation, Ray, that you made as far as like, there's so much out there to solve for sales and marketing. And I think the reason is that's opportunity. It's exciting. Those are flash in the pans. I think we're all programmed to think that's how we scale the business quickly is sales and marketing. But the customer experience is so important. And we all know how easy it is to have an existing relationship do more business with us, right? Yeah. We all know how easy it is to get a happy customer to send us a referral. So, so sometimes, you know, everything we need is right under our nose and we just don't recognize it. So I, I love the fact that your software assists with streamlining workflows, making the customer experience better, providing all of that transparency with the data and every, all the other moving parts. Because in my mind, you know, maybe it's the longer term play here, but in my mind, you make the customer happy, you provide an unbelievable experience to them. A, they'll come back and do business with you, no problem, because they like you, know you trust you. You've, 
you have a proven track record with them, number one. Number two is they're more likely to send referrals your way. Definitely. Right? So, so I love that your software not only takes care of all the offense upfront, the sales and marketing, but also takes care of the defense, which I think is really smart, which is the workflow, the, the fulfillment of the service or the delivery of the product, right? Yeah, it's, um, it's one of the things I'll put it, kind of the philosophy of companies is this, you know, when you close a deal, what happens? People ring the bell. Right. No, you're right. <laughs> right. Deal, people ring the sales bell. Like, hey, got a new deal, new customer. That's great. When you keep a customer, what happens? Or when a customer right. moves, what happens? Almost nothing. You know, it's not, it's not the most attractive thing. It's not the most sexy thing that's out there. It's, you know, but it's part of business, which is, hey, we've got a customer in the door. We've closed the customer. How do we keep that customer happy? One, how do we, one, get them on the platform, get them to use our products and services? Two, how do we keep them happy? And three, how do we give them the ability to see everything that's going on? I think one thing that happened as I kind of was developing this concept and developing this thought was, you know, we're starting to see these enterprise companies move to portals, which is how the only way you can contact companies. You know, so if I want to contact my healthcare provider or I want to contact um, Intuit or I want to contact Google, I've got to go through, I've got to authenticate, I've got to go through a portal, I've got to go through a platform, and then the tool, kind of the ability to communicate is there. However, my information may still be scattered, and there's some enterprise companies that have full-fledged platforms that have, you know, all of your information, all of your data, all your ability to communicate everything in one location. And I, it's like one company's Kaiser Permanente. You know, they've got a great interface that allows you to interact with the entire team without having to call them. That ability needs to be passed down to kind of the middle enterprise, lower enterprise, and mid-market companies, which is how do I give my client the ability to contact, communicate, retrieve information, and see everything that's happening without having to, as Brett put it, work with four different companies or five different silos, you know, and how does that work after you've got me as a client or customer? And so that's kind of the premise behind what we're doing um, and the problems we're trying to solve for companies. And I think, I think the timing's right too. You don't need me to tell you that, but you know, I had uh, Kathleen Marcel on the podcast maybe 10 or 12 episodes ago, and she's a customer success consultant, right? So basically her, and I think she got a couple of partners that run their own consulting firm, hundred percent focused on high growth SaaS companies and customer success. So folks are finally starting to realize the value and the power of actually taking care of your customers. And I know from a tool perspective right there, it, it's Excel, it's email, it's maybe Salesforce if they're using it or some combination that just it doesn't drive it. So, um, but yeah, I'm excited for you because I think <laughs> you, you found that niche, right? And an opportunity and the timing, the timing's there. And so, so maybe just to, to transition back a little bit to the, the growing business, you know, what's, what's next for you? What are you focused on here in the next, you know, three months? 12 months, what's, uh, where's the areas? Yeah. So we're, we're entering Q4, obviously sales is a big thing. So that's obviously a focus for almost any company that's to market. Um, I think in terms of our product, you know, we've been to market 18 months, so we still, we're still growing, you know, and a big thing is building integrations with, you know, those platforms that those enterprise or mid-market companies are using to communicate and or connect them to the front part of the puzzle, which is, you know, the Salesforce, the HubSpots, the pipe drives. 
So really building integrations in the platform, um, you know, listening to our customers and prospects, which is, you know, hey, it, when we have a call or we're sharing our product with people or we're giving them a demo, the thought is not necessarily to sell, 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 but it's always listen, listen, listen. Like that. Which is, let's find out if we're really, truly able to solve some of the challenges they have. And then let's also find out what things could be in the product that they would like to have or they would need to have. And uh, luckily, you know, gosh, I obviously built the software, built starting point for my own firm. But in talking to all the prospects and friends and family and service people I worked with and colleagues, they're the ones who have really dictated where the product is gone and what features are inside the product. You know, they've said, hey, we, it would be great if we could do this. Or do you have this? Or can it execute this? And that's really driven our product roadmap. You know, just listening to what they want and having those conversations. So, so yeah, sometimes it is a sell, 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 and it's always selling. But also at the same time, you've got to listen which is, can your product do this? Or can, how can it work for this? Or can you give me a use case to where it makes sense for our business? Or does it have this functionality? Can it provide this report? Those are all things that have led to functionality that's built within the product. And, and Brett, you've seen it. Um, you know, and one of the comments we get is, wow, how long has this been the market? And people are like, oh, it's really robust. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's 12, 14 months. You know, it's relatively new and they're like wow you've got a lot of functionality that we need in the product and that's solely from listening to prospects and customers you know maybe one of the the challengers or interesting opportunities that you're going to have and maybe we talked about this so i apologize if we did i don't think we didn't we didn't on this podcast was because your product or solution fits in so many industries in so many different um scenarios right how do you how do you pick and choose and focus where you know, you, you want to focus again, there's only so many hours in the day, and you have only so many resources to focus what uh, you thought about where and what the, the initial push is going to be or how are you approaching that? Yeah, we've so we've had we've had kind of a considerable amount of take up in like the education space. Uh, education has been big. Uh, healthcare's also got some significant traction and then in large scale staffing and recruiting firms in terms of how they're executing inside the business. You know, so we've seen some good traction in those areas. That's a good problem to have, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the product itself, you know, almost every company has a services perspective to it, you know, to where you've got to provide services to your customers and service and support and or transparency in terms of projects or implementation. And so our project, our company, our software can solve challenges across all of those different specific roles and departments inside of company. However, when you want to talk about industries that we're focused on or those that have we've seen a lot of traction, you know, gosh, I'd uh, say, yeah, education, healthcare, um, recruiting and staffing uh, and kind of logistics and distribution for companies in a retail space. You know, so. Those are some of the companies and industries that have one. Uh, they've struggled to go through the digital transformation phase correctly. You know, they've been kind of behind the curve. 
you know, to where if you match them up against kind of a tech startup who's not necessarily our ideal customer, um, they may be building or doing whatever they want to do over there. We've got enterprise and mid-market companies that are traditionally behind the times in terms of technology and or tools or very underserved in terms of what they need. And they need a tool that's very robust, very flexible, easy to configure and, and good for their businesses. Sean, anything else you want to dig in on before I ask our, our final question? Yeah, I'm just curious, Ray. So this, this is, it sounds like 2021 is really your first year, full year uh, in business to market, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So you started during COVID. So congrats on that. Yeah. Right? We had a lot, had a lot of time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All of us did. Okay. So I'm curious now, we're kind of closing in end of Q3 here, fourth quarter is about to begin. As it pertains to your growth, growing starting point, like what would you say is your number one challenge as it pertains to growing the company right now? And also what is your plan of attack to kind of bust through that ceiling and reach that next level? You know, gosh, I, I'd say uh, to be completely honest, our biggest challenge is, is sharing the word about the product, hmm. you know, getting the product out there. One, obviously this, our, our company self-financed bootstrapped. And so, you know, we haven't taken outside capital, you know, and so having that right sales and marketing budget, is is always a challenge you know to figure out how can i bring on people how can i share the word more how can i have marketing campaigns how can i you know blast things out there and what's most cost effective you know like for instance and you know we launched our product in in june of 2020 and i was like oh we've got this let's let's push it out there let's go and you know we did a digital marketing campaign and it failed <laughs> horrible so it didn't, it didn't, nothing, nothing came out of it. You know, we didn't get any leads. We weren't really speaking to our ideal client profile. We weren't using words that made sense for people to kind of look us up or find us and kind of our messaging had to be refined. So we ran that for a couple of weeks. We shut that down and then kind of went back to the drawing board, which is, hey, we interviewed everybody about our product. But the one question we really weren't asking people was, how would you find a solution like ours? Or what would, you, what would you ask Google in order to find us? And then once we went back and we started asking people that question, that led us into the messaging that we have now. So that cam campaign didn't fail. You got some very valuable feedback from it, right? <laughs> you, can say, you can say, yeah, it wasn't a complete failure in that perspective. But obviously, our goal was to go out and say, oh, yeah, we're going to get, you know, hundreds of leads and things like that. But it led us in the direction of solving a lot of our messaging, which is, and I say tell entrepreneurs this, which is ask people, how would they find your company or your solution or product and service and what they put in to try to find them? Yeah, and I love that. That question, they'll tell you what they would put in, and that will lead you towards how you advertise, market, SEO, blog, wording on your website, uh, yep. podcast, so, everything. So since you've refined the message through that entire experience, have you seen better results? Oh, yes. Our, um, our organic traffic since April is up about 18 times. And is that traffic converting into demos? appointments yeah, converting into leads is converting awesome. people finding us is converting into you know uh, definitely close sales so it's starting to have 
with some good momentum there. Good for you. Uh, as kind of we keep refining the messaging and, and ro- building out a robust product and sharing our message, you know, hopefully it'll continue to follow that trend, which is we become a more popular software provide and, you know, it continues to grow the business. Good for you. Makes sense. All right, Ray, I know we've, we've taken quite a bit of your time and we really appreciate you, you spending it with us, but I can't let you go without asking the one, one final question I ask every guest we have on this podcast is what is one thing you would highly recommend and it can be personal or professional? Um, I'd say on the personal side of things, I think we all know building companies or, or being an entrepreneur takes a lot of hours, you know, and it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, that's an understatement. It is really, really tough to build a business. But I think personally, always take care of your health. You know, make sure, you know, you, you try to eat as right as possible. I mean, gosh, we all have dinners. We all have lunches. We all going out having drinks from time to time, things like that. But try to get up and get a good workout in, get the mind going, get the blood pumping. You know, that's, that seems to help the momentum for the rest of the day. It's also a good turn. And I tell everybody this, nobody ever leaves the gym with a frown. That's true. No, you're absolutely right. Everybody leaves the gym typically in a better mood than when they walked in the gym. So whether it's the gym or outside in the street or your home fitness gym, getting the workout in kind of sets the tone. Um, professionally, my tidbit would always be, um, and this goes back to just listening to prospects and customers. Listen, 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 listen to what their problem is, listen to how they would find you, listen to how you can solve it better, listen to how you can improve your product and service. And that will more than likely lead you in the direction as to the right way to go. Yeah, those those will kind of be my two tidbits professionally and personally. No, love it. Great advice. And you're right. It can be lonely. It can be long hours. Enjoy the grind. I always tell everybody my one tagline is get outside. I don't care how cold, warm, whatever, just get outside at some point during the day and clear your mind and, you know, exercise. So hundred percent agree with you on that one. So, and, and Ray, you've been kind enough to agree to let us follow up with you in a couple months. Uh, yeah, we're going to check yeah, back in conversation with you guys and, and just kind of give you guys an update as to how things are going and, and kind of what things we've put into place and, you know, uh, the momentum and, and keep things going. And hopefully we'll see definitely a lot more success. Love it. Love it. Well, we really appreciate your time today. Best of luck. And uh, we'll catch you in the not too distant future. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thank you for having Thanks. me. Well, Sean, the first time that you and I have done this, I actually enjoyed that, that interview. What were, what were some of your biggest takeaways from our conversation with Ray? Yeah, I think what stands out, three things come to mind here, Brett. Number one is I love how Ray took something that was a, a need for him and his consulting company, built a product and then shared it with his clients and recognized that they too could use that solution. So it's like he built a solution for himself out of his own need. That solution became relevant for his clients and now it could potentially become relevant for the world, right? And it is right. a very relevant solution. I think you and I both were very attracted to it for that reason. So that's number one. Number two is how well he listens to his customers. Yes. I mean, he's a nicer person than I am. <laughs> when I was working on a software company, I, I said no nine times out of 10 because we had so many feature requests, but I love what he's doing. 
that he's uh, listening so intently uh, with his customers, with his user base and accommodating so many of the requests. I mean, as he mentioned in 12, 14 months, it's a wildly robust solution, right? Um, in such a short period of time. And that's because of his ability to listen and implement, which I think is great. And then thirdly, this wraps into my second takeaway. Thirdly is, I love what he said. He said, it's not sell, sell, sell. It's listen, 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 uh, right? Which I think is um, very timely for me to hear uh, as well. So anyways, how about you? Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I think the listening and incorporating the customer feedback uh, early and often, um, I do still think, Ray's done all the right things, but as we see these companies grow, you know, you've been a part of this, he's starting to hit that inflection point, right? Where right. he's part of these sales. Now they're starting to get known. We're going to get more leads. And this is where you're going to get the traction. And if uh, hopefully based on his, you know, background and software where they're focused on is, you know, that, that post-sale execution, you know, I've got confidence that they'll, they'll be able to do it. But, you know, I do think, you know, as, if it was me, my challenge would be, right, anytime I talk to a, a founder or a business owner, right, yeah, we can help you with that. It's just really hard to articulate that across. And then when he had actually mentioned the three that he was focused on, you know, it makes sense. You can still be opportunistic, but you're going to have to pick a couple paths, I think, to, to really get the, you'll continue to grow, but to get that, you know, one-to-many growth that money companies fail to, to get to, I think that's going to be that's going to be their biggest opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I, I think it, at some point in time, as you mentioned, the inflection point, there needs to be a decision-making strategy for, you know, what, what's left on the cutting room floor and what moves forward and becomes implemented because you can't reach scale and, and be saying yes to everybody. I mean, every time you say yes, of course, you're saying no to something else. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. I think you- like I said, I'm sorry, Sean. He's got a good problem, right? Because it is one of these. And I I agree with your first point that, hey, solved the problem for himself. Nobody else was doing it. I'm going to go build this. And the other thing that I really like, and maybe it's just me personally, I like tech-enabled service companies, right? I know everybody thinks it's SaaS, 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 but man, I I still, I'm betting that service is going to be the differentiator with a lot of these companies because the tech you know, can and will be copied. So it's, it's how you make it sticky, how do you provide that better experience? So, and two, um, I'm, I'm also super thankful that he's going to let us tag along for this, this journey. So we'll, we'll be able to grow him here in a couple months. Maybe we'll catch him before the end of the year. It's not a huge sales crunch just to see how, how that's transitioning. So. Yeah. I'm looking forward to following up in two, three months and, and see how he's doing. I mean, that's exciting. All right, Sean, appreciate it. Uh, thanks for joining me on this. This was a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to do this again, I think. I think there's, uh, I enjoyed it. I think, you know, it just brings a different perspective, right? So I'm always open to learn, listen. And if we can get two people tackling it from two different areas, we'll answer even more questions. So I appreciate you joining. Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate being here again. Thanks. All right. Bye. See you guys next week. 